Hey everyone, thanks for listening. As you know, we're on the HubSpot Podcast Network and we recently made the switch to go to their CRM platform as well. With this, I get some inside knowledge and some of the products and services they're rolling out and I'm super excited to share that they're relaunching their sales hub with some really exciting new features. The new sales hub connects the dots with sales engagement, so prospecting, deal management, and analytics and coaching. And it aligns all of that so you can have a single view of your customer and also with some of these new AI tools that they're integrating, you can actually automate all those annoying admin tasks that take you away from selling. Trust me, you've got to check this out. We are just scratching the surface with this here at JD Sales, and I've already seen some massive improvements. So go to www.hubspot.com today to check out these new features. Let's make it happen. Hey everyone, welcome back to Make It Happen Mondays, where we talk about sales, business, entrepreneurship, personal growth, mental health, and everything in between with guests who I truly respect and I think make a positive impact on the world around us. And today's conversation is with Joel Bine. Now, Joel is the chief of content and coaching at Career Hacker. Now, Career Hackers is the relentless pursuit of discovering and doing what makes you come alive and knowing you'll have to get creative along the way. Now, y'all know that I use this podcast sometimes as an open therapy session, and that's exactly what this one was. I got introduced to Joel through a good friend of mine, Scott Lease, who had had him on his podcast and gone through his process of uncovering his limiting beliefs. And he thought it was so powerful that he had, should come on my podcast. So we got into it. We started with really limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome and a lot of things of what has made us all who we are and how that comes from childhood and a bunch of other stuff. Now we get creativity and curiosity beaten out of us and we all conform to the system that we're all in right now and how we need to re-engineer and reverse engineer that to become creative again. So we dove into a lot of stuff and he went through his process with me. So around minute 40 uh, is when the conversation kind of back and forth stops and we start going into a little bit of a therapy session here. And he breaks down this process to un understand a certain limiting belief that I had about not being very smart. And so you feel free to stop at 40 minutes, but if you really want to see how this goes, and he has an offer at the end of it too, where if you had uh, something you wanted to work through to get, uh, what he calls pluck that dandelion, if you will, and pull it out so it's not driving who you are anymore, gave an offer at the end here where you can reach out to him and he will do this for you as well. Interesting what your feedback is on this one. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to email me with any questions you have about it. All right, let's make it happen. Joel Bine, welcome to Make It Happen Monday podcast, my friend. I'm looking forward to this conversation. How are you doing today? My pleasure. Doing great. How are you doing? Doing all right. This is uh, this is going to be an interesting one. I, you know, I tell my audience all the time. I use my podcast as like an open therapy session, right? So I got shit that I deal with, and uh, I try to kind of have an open book here about myself. Hopefully, people will learn from it. And I think today is going to be an interesting one because we're going to be talking about limiting beliefs and uh, imposter syndrome, and mental health issues, and everything in between. So. Before we get into that though, Joel, why don't you give the audience a little background on where you're coming from and what you're up to these days? Yeah, totally. So I am chief of content and coaching at careerhackers.com. And our mission is to help people discover and do what makes them come alive. And right. so we're really, above all, outside of providing lots of content and resources for career growth, it's a mindset company. Okay. And really, I get lit up about supporting people in uncovering what I think is their natural sort of creative, curious, entrepreneurial, empowered mindset. And yeah, I'm, I've been in this world the past three, four years in a sort of, in a sort of startup and entrepreneurship 
uh, world. And before that, I was actually, my first passion is classical music, and I was working in academia on track to become a professor, and then really shifted gears in 2020 when I when I made this jump and um, to working with Isaac Morehouse, who's the founder of our company. And all that stemmed from my sort of emerging passion and purpose to to create new paradigms when it comes to sort of the integration between education and career launch. Um, you know, we, we kind of get handed this narrative with go to school, check the boxes, follow the rules, pick the major, and then maybe you'll have a good job for 30 years. But yeah. we're like shattering all that and saying, hey, you don't need to rely on any credential, any degree, anyone's permission. You can go build skills, build connections, build portfolios, pitch pitch opportunities and be your own credential and run your own run your own business of sort of me incorporated. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like the big picture of where, where I'm at and what fires me up. Love it, man. Yeah, and actually, you know, I want to start with this because it was an interesting uh, little while ago, well, a long time ago, I wrote a blog post um, called Stop Doing What You're Supposed to Do. Right. And you just outlined yeah. exactly what the blog post was about. It's like, we're all supposed to get a job. We're supposed to get married. We're supposed to have kids. We're supposed to do this. Right. And for me, I was fortunate in the sense that there was two points in my life that woke me up from that to stop doing that. One was personal. One was professional. The personal one was I was engaged, uh, like out of college. I was with this girl seven years and we were engaged and I knew it wasn't right, but what do you do after seven years and you're with somebody, right? You're, you get married, then you have a, you, know, you buy a house, then you have a kid. And and so I, is in my soul, I knew it was wrong, but she was dependent on me. And I, I was, I was kind of a coward for not calling it what it was. Thank God she broke it up with me. And mm-hmm. at first I was like devastated, right? For two days, I was like, oh my God, I was the worst thing. And then I woke up and I was like, oh my God, like I, I could breathe. Right. And, and so that was the first personal one. And then the professional one was when I got, when we got acquired by Staples and I was going through the corporate thing and then they fired me. Right. And, and I, again, I knew the job was wrong when they acquired us. I was not the right guy for the integration, but I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. Cause that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to grind it out and work hard. Right. And again, they fired me and it was devastating, but I woke up and it was the best thing that could ever happen. So that changed my mindset on like, stop going through the motions. But what I'm getting to here is I was about to share that at a broader level. And then I saw this tweet from a millennial a couple of years back. This was actually before COVID. And it was against that because he was like, look, there was there was structure like well i'm 47 right so there was structure for me there was like an ex- expectation that you did these things right so there was a comfort level in fitting into that structure if you will whereas now the norms are completely broken you can do whatever the fuck you want to do right but the the tweet from the millennial was like yeah but now i don't know what to do like you guys had the benefit of having a structure. So there was like a, you could break the norm, but you still, there was a structure within it. There's no norms anymore. So I don't even know what to do at this point. So how do you balance that, that structure that is traditional, that does provide stability, that does provide like something <laughs> of comfort, if you will, with this new world that we're in right now? Cause we're watching it fracture. I mean, I could go, we could go down all sorts of different paths with this, by the way, like religion, all these different things. Like I think religion, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. Religion does have a, Hey, okay. It's comfortable, but it also controls people and it, you know, all this other stuff. So how do you balance those two? 
I know that's a long-winded uh, yeah, question. There. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, really powerful point. And I would say we're in this period as a society that we're sort of, we're learning and figuring that out because it is it is sort of new and these, these structures and these norms are sort of dissolving. And so that becomes an invitation for us to to grow and to evolve and to, you know, build more, I would say, self self responsibility skills self empowerment skills and self management skills um and so again it goes back to that intersection between between the school system and career i think because we go through 12 plus years and we're basically follow the rules and very little freedom choice and autonomy and opportunity to go say hey the day the week it's up to you how you're gonna invest your time that that's not happening so we learn to kind of be dependent on the structure, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's possible for humans to be given the opportunity to to have that that open and the openness and freedom to figure out what do you want, what makes you tick, right? And that that's a process of self knowledge, self discovery, and I say start with curiosity. You know, just kind of start with what are you curious about, and get that little get those sparks flying. And when you start building that, that curiosity can grow into something even more powerful. And then you can really have more of a sense of purpose and all these structures and, and you could say discipline or whatnot. I think you can start to build that in because you have your own self-directed aims and goals. Um, but it does, if you're, if you're, if you're starting from being completely dependent on basically following the, the given narrative and then all of a sudden you have freedom it's going to take some time to kind of make that adjustment and build those skills you know i was going to say because that's what i, I see right now um you know a lot of the kids and I, and I have this whole talk track around you know gen xers and millennials in the sense that the gen xers myself included we were kind of the last generation to have to figure it out right we were the latchkey kids we came yep. home and our parents weren't around. I, like when I was bored in my house, my mom would kick me the fuck out and say, just be home by dinner. Don't kill anybody, you know? And I would literally go and break things and whatever. I'd ride my bike all the way downtown. It didn't matter. Nobody was tracking me. I didn't have cell phones. Yep. Now though, and I see this with my daughter, right? She's 12. Every minute of every kid's life is structured, right? They go from school to this hour to this hour. Then they have soccer practice from this hour to this hour. Then they have their, their iPad for 30 minutes. Then they do their homework for two hours, right? And we're all taught, to, the kids are taught to the test now. There's no more critical thinking. It's the MCAS. You have to pass the MCAS so that we can, as a school, get our grade and you can get your, you know, whatever. So you put these kids through this system that we're in right now that is structured to the nth degree. And then they get out into the real world and some jackass manager like me looks at them and says, hey, figure it out. And they look at you sideways like, what do you mean figure it out? Like, what am I supposed to do? And the reaction is, well, you don't know what you're supposed to do. Here's a script. Here's a template. Here's exactly what to do. And we, and we turn them into robots. And actually now the scary thing is with AI coming out, we've actually conditioned this whole group, this whole generation to be robots effectively. Now they're getting replaced by robots. So how do we reverse engineer this? You say start with curiosity. How do we give people, because I think without structure, they fall apart regardless. How do we give people some structure so they can start to be curious again about what those things are that do light them up so they can start to blossom out of this rigid structure with somebody else always telling them what to do? Yeah. I mean, 
it, it can be maybe a stepping stone process if you're talking about you know if you're running a business you're you're running a team i think what comes to mind is i'm not sure if they're still doing this but some years ago google was talking about giving giving their employees 20 percent of their time yep. to make decisions that, yeah. and do creative projects mm-hmm. um that those types of of strategies can sort of perhaps invite that that waning off and and allow people the time and the space to figure out that curiosity and creativity. I say boredom, boredom is the um, predecessor to curiosity. Right. And so there's there's also there's almost this what I call a, a de-schooling process that needs to take place when you want to kind of do that waning off. Um, and I wrote this post about um, ways to, to de-school yourself so that you can come alive in your career um, because. Again, we we weren't given that independence, and so there's a there's a there's a decompression period that if you really want to cultivate that aliveness from the inside right. out, that it, it asks you to maybe to pause and slow down and take some of that that the allow yourself to feel the discomfort of having some freedom. Um, but yeah, it's there's not necessarily a, a one size you know one size fits all answer to that question. Of course, yeah, uh, it's a it's an it's a it's an ongoing shift, and I think some of the you know some of the these phenomena like like quiet quitting that's come up the past couple of years. I think is also we're we're trying. It, it's a sign of the culture and the workforce trying to to get this pendulum balanced. You know where there's a there's a healthy sense of quiet quitting because people don't want to just follow the rules blindly in that robotic way or whatnot, and so they shut down if they don't get the freedom or they don't get the purpose, they don't get the the meaning, right? Um, but that, that doesn't mean that they, they have it all figured out and they're going to, they're going to come alive in a new way right away. Um, I I say, I I say go above and beyond at your job. I say create more value than you, anyone's expecting. Go, go 110%. And it's not something that you have to do. It's something that you get to do. Um, but the, the key for all of that is to kind of do some of that self, self, um, self introspection work as an individual, I think, to, to find and take responsibility to figure out what you're curious about and then find opportunities, find companies, find, find um, opportunities that are going to be more in alignment with who you are. And then you're, then it's not so much just trying to fit into the mold, but there's something where you have a, a sense of, of intrinsic motivation about. So that's, those are some of the elements I yep. see at play, but you know, again, there's not necessarily one quick answer, you know? Hey, I want to take a quick minute to share with you what I'm working on these days with my new JB Sales membership. It includes live monthly training delivered by me on my two signature courses, Filling the Funnel and Driving to Close. It also includes monthly workshops that I'll be running on specific skills and different tech like ChatGPT and how to leverage it in the sales process. And it gives you access to my entire online catalog with every course and every tip I've ever done. You get all of this for $420 a year as an individual or $5,000 for teams. And as an exclusive exclusive offer to my podcast listeners. If you go to www.jbarrows.com and click on the individual or team membership and use code podcast, you'll get 20% off. Let's make this happen together. Yeah, no, it's tough. And, and I think this is also the challenge here. It's like, <laughs> I used to, the, the whole advice that people used to give kids of like, follow your passion. I think that is dangerous advice. 
quite frankly, because especially when you're younger, you have no idea what your passion actually is. You have to put in the work, in my opinion, you have to put in the work to try a bunch of things to see what you're ultimately passionate about. Like if I followed my passion when I was in college, I'd be a stoner painting shitty paintings on the side of the fucking road. You know what I mean? And be dead broke doing it. And so I didn't really hit like what I was truly passionate about until I was in my thirties and and I had experienced a bunch of things and I was like, all right, cool. Now I'm going to go all in on this. So with, with this quiet quitting and these people looking for purpose and stuff like that, my concern is, is that there, there, there's a certain amount of work that you have to do in the system, if you will, right. In my opinion here, and you could correct me if I'm wrong to try to figure out kind of how to how to fit into the overarching system. I don't mean just work. I mean, this whole fucked up world that we're in right now and how to play the game. I mean, somebody asked me just recently, you know, John, are you, you know, why aren't you like a multimillionaire? Right. And cause I got a good brand and I've been in business for a while. And you know, everybody is, has a perception of me being like this fucking filthy rich person. And I'm just not. And my answer to him was, I don't know how to play the game. Like I, I just fundamentally don't know how to play the corporate game. I don't know. I, you know, I can't kiss people's ass. I have no filter. And so, but I've figured out how to work in the overarching system to get what I want and do what I'm passionate about. So how do you guide people? I mean, let's talk about two sides of this equation. One is the, the, the rep or whoever coming into the workforce, right? And, and trying to figure out where to start. And then somebody who's maybe been in the workforce and needs to reverse engineer themselves here to, to figure out kind of, I am just, I have no spark. I mean, I had a conversation with a kid the other day who came on just to do some one-on-one coaching with me and he broke down. He straight up broke down. Like he listened to a podcast that I had done on my keynote and the shit that I had been through and all this other stuff. And he was like, John, I just lost my spark. I, I've lost my passion for this. And, and we talked it through going back to values and everything else. But let's start with the kid coming into school right now or coming into the workforce right now. What do you give, how do you give guidance to somebody who is coming out of college Still, maybe not like that. Oh, I know I want to be a doctor or, oh, I know I want to be a lawyer. I'm still a little bit up in the air on this. What should they be looking for within themselves and within opportunities to make sure that they're moving in the right direction at least and don't have to reverse engineer at a later date? Yep. Yeah. If you're, if you're just getting started, then first thing I would say is, is take the pressure off yourself to figure the thing out that you're going to do Got for it. the rest of your life. And I agree that typically follow your passion is advice that's not super helpful for a lot of people. I say, follow your curiosity or follow your passions. You know, you can explore multiple things at the same time, Um, but take the pressure off and maybe what you're going to be lit up about doing five, 10 years from now, doesn't even exist yet. So have, have some, some space for yourself. And then, you know, to your point about working with the system, I think there's a lot of value in just kind of building that fundamental fundamental uh, character that comes from repetition of doing quality work that's uh, and creating value for a company and contributing to a company. And if that's sales, maybe you're not necessarily 100% lit up about the product or the service that you're selling, but there's a lot of skills, soft soft skills and hard skills that you can build in just diving in headfirst, going 100% into a role and getting those reps in. And that's going to serve you for your career, especially sales is it's such a key skill in almost every area of life, honestly. So yep. just putting in those reps is going to be so powerful. And then you can keep learning about yourself and maybe do a side project. We say, you know, go, go start a blog, go start a podcast, go, go 
you know, do some photography, whatever you're kind of interested in and just start learning out loud, start, start showing the world what you're up to and then let those kind of snowball over time. And, you know, if you're later in your life, it's, it's not that much different, really. It's like kind of reconnecting with that curiosity and, and playing around, testing, experimenting, then there's a lot that you can start to, you can shift your trajectory. But the, the biggest thing is to not be doing something that you absolutely hate, that you're, like your, your, your values are against. Um, our founder, Isaac, as well as uh, Mitchell Earl, they co-authored this book called Don't Do Stuff You Hate, talking right. about this idea. Just, just take the pressure off. Don't do stuff you hate. Start, um, start playing around a little bit and build momentum. Yeah, I think it's the the curiosity factor here is, and to you had talked. I was doing as I was reading through some of the stuff that you sent me uh, to prep for this. You know, we lost. We we get creativity beaten out of us um, at a very early age. We get curiosity beaten out of us at a very early age. You know, that's why kids are so fun to hang out with when they're young because they are curious. The why question, like my daughter's twelve, right? There was definitely a stage of every question was why, 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 right? And um, but you talk about could you talk a little bit about hug the cactus here for a second as it relates to that because I was reading something about that. And if you could unpack that a little bit, I'd appreciate it. Okay, hug the cactus, yeah. That's a, that's a term I borrowed from the psychologist Nathaniel Brandon, who wrote, he wrote the book, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, among other books, sort of the father of, of self-esteem um, in the 70s, um, like true self-esteem before that term kind of got watered down in the 90s. Um, but he's talking about the real, the real deal and hug the cactus um, is related to this idea of self-acceptance, which is the second pillar of, se- of self-esteem. And well, the first pillar is living consciously, the, the practice of living consciously to be aware of what actually is happening in, in your life and the context around you as well as in your, in your inner world. So when we start looking inwards and this, you know, we're kind of shifting here into our mental health conversation, yeah. as we start to look inwards and be honest about what could be happening inside, that could feel uncomfortable. So the art of hugging the cactus is giving yourself that sort of self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-empathy for the facts of whatever's in your consciousness. So if you have a certain feeling, you have, you have shame or guilt, you have fear, well, acceptance is just being honest that this is happening. It doesn't mean you like it. It doesn't mean that you don't want it to change necessarily. It just means you're you're not denying that it's true right now you're having this fear and then this sort of is hugging that hugging the cactus is just allowing yourself to embrace that that fact mm-hmm. um and so yeah when you you know kind of tying this back to the school thing I, and, I, and i start inviting people to think about their experience in school their strengths growing up and and how that might have impacted them how that might be impacting their mental wellness now that those those first two pillars of self-esteem in particular are really valuable to be able to to look at you know look inside and say what actually happened oh I, yeah like i didn't get much of a chance to follow my curiosity and creativity and this that's sad you know yeah. and and embracing any of the feelings that can, might come up around that um and then you know any 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 of these childhood experiences that might be that might be challenging to look at um that that hugging the cactus really is is a valuable approach to to be your own best friend in the process of looking. Right, I call it like looking in the closet to see what actually is in there. Um, 
opening that closet door, there might be all sorts of boxes and stuff you haven't looked at in years and it might be all disorganized and piled up. And then if you open the door, it might fall out. Mm-hmm. And then it might actually, life might get a little messier at the beginning if you want to open that closet door. But if you have the courage and conviction to move through that, pick up the pieces, look at the truth, sort things out, then the other, on the other side of that's a lot of freedom. So yeah, yeah that's kind of the, the big picture I invite people to, to have as they, as they think about these types of things. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring that up because, you know, uh, one of my mentors, Jeff Hoffman, we were talking a while back and he goes through a lot of therapy and stuff. And, and one of the things he talked about was judgment, right? And I've always felt bad about judgment, like in the sense, like I judge people and I don't want to, you know, I know it's a bad thing, but inherently, you know, us as human beings, you see somebody, the way they look, the way they act and whatever it is, you put a judgment on them. Right. And I really try not to, but I always feel guilty when I do. And, and he said that, you know, he calls it his judgment elephant, basically. So almost like the cactus where when he was talking to his therapist is like, look, it's, you can't get rid of it. You just, you just have to compartmentalize it. So every once in a while, the he's like, my judgment elephant comes out, right? And I and I let him sit there and do his thing, but then I put him back, right? And so he, he actually uh, characterized it as a thing. So he understood and he was able to label it, which made him feel more comfortable. It's like, this, I, it, this isn't, I can't get rid of this, but I can compartmentalize it and effectively hug the cactus and admit that I do judge, but I, I'm recognizing it now. And I feel better about the fact that I'm working on this. So it's, I think it's his version of hugging the cactus, it sounds. Yeah, totally. So, and, and not judging the judging, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like now it goes in this perpetual cycle of like you're judging yourself or judging other people and it's like shit. So what's, um, let's talk a little bit about limiting beliefs because I, I think there's, you know, something I've always uh, talked about with one of my business partners is this limiting belief system um, and also imposter syndrome, right? I think they, to a certain degree, seem to go hand in hand. But I've always, I don't know whether it's the East Coaster in me or what, but from a business standpoint, you know, I've, I was always joked that me and my buddy Chris, if we had, if we were in San Francisco, we'd be multimillionaires right now because, you know, you fart in a box out there, you get $100 million, you throw it out the window and somebody gives you another 100. Whereas East Coast, at least old school East Coast mentality is earn it, fucking, you know what I mean? And everything that we've created, we've we've created a bunch of apps and a bunch of things, but we're always like, ah, it's not good enough, you know, whatever, like we're not going to go there. And then all of a sudden we find out less than a year later, somebody got 50 million for the same idea and it's worse. It's like, fuck. So I've always said like, I think my limiting beliefs are what are holding me back from being that multimillionaire when I can see everything else. So talk to me about where those limiting beliefs come from or how yeah. you extract them, if you will, from people that you work with. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the beliefs are are formed oftentimes in those early years of life, right? Of course, the first seven years of life are probably the most formative. Mm-hmm. And then, but all these different experiences we have, especially I would say the first two decades of our life, um, again, going through school, and we're in these environments, we don't have necessarily much choice as, as to our environment. We, we kind of, we don't get choose, we don't choose to be born and we're just, okay, here you are in, in life. And now we're trying to figure out how to adapt to this reality that we're trying to understand, right? Yeah. So the beliefs are formed. Uh, I always tell my clients, they're there to serve you in the yeah. beginning. Everything we do is trying to serve us. All of our yeah. thoughts, all our actions, all our emotions, they're in attempt to get our needs met. The question is, do they actually get those needs met in the short term and long term? That's a different question, but 
you know, the beliefs, going back to the hug the cactus, like if you find yourself having a belief that I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm not worthy of success or I can't do it, I'm a failure, these types of, of self-worth beliefs, we can, we can hug that cactus and not be upset with ourselves for even having them in the first place because they were birthed for a reason. And yeah, I mean, I've been super interested in, in this question of where do, where, where do these problems come from? Where do, where do adult problems come from? Um, and there's a, a saying that adult problems are youth problems left unresolved. So it invites us to go back and, and it doesn't need to be our childhood necessarily. There could be experiences in our twenties or thirties or any, any age that could create, you know, beliefs. It's, it's really, um, when we have some sort of, some sort of emotional experience, I would say that it could be, it could be an adverse experience. It could be really heavy. It could be really sort of light even, um, in our childhoods, but, uh, or relatively minor compared to some, you know, major acute trauma, it could be any of the above and, and beliefs can be formed because our, our mind is trying to make sense of things and trying to keep us safe and trying to make sure our yeah. core needs for safety, love, acceptance in particular are getting met. So if we have some sort of experience where say we're told, you know, um, to, to sit down and, and be quiet when you are feeling sad or angry or your excitement, even you're feeling something and we get, we get that response from an adult. Then that's an example of when we might bottle up our feelings. And in order to adapt to the environment, we might create a belief around, you know, my feelings don't matter or my yeah. needs don't matter, or it's not safe to express myself, something along those lines. And it, it's there for, there for a reason. Um, but we have the ability now and we can talk more about about this tool that I'm that I'm okay. using with with clients to actually go back and sort of deconstruct and uh, uncouple the feelings that you had with the belief that was formed with your with your mind with your neurons and and be free of that. Yeah, I think that's you know one of the things that after actually having a conversation on on the podcast one time, I think it it came to uh, the imposter syndrome component of it. Like I. I thought back and I'm like, all right, you know, for instance, I don't, I don't like to read. Right. And I, and I always kind of joke, I'm not exactly the brightest bulb in the bunch. You know, I went to a state state school, drank my way through college. Now in reality, I got a 3.75. I got actually a scholarship to go to Maryland, even though Maryland's not exactly Harvard. Um, and it was an academic one, but I've always just like, like, in, like people who are super smart, I've always kind of been like, yep, I don't belong here. You know what I mean? Like your, your brain works at a different level than mine. I'm more EQ than IQ. And that's kind of what I've, the narrative that I've told myself over the years. And looking back on it, there was one memory where my dad, I remember reading and my dad was the smartest person I've ever met in my life. Right. He, he was a PhD, uh, electrical engineer, you know, just really, really intelligent. And I remember reading when I was a kid and he laughed at a word because I mispronounced it or something like that. And, it, you know, I've done that to my daughter too. It's like, ah, it was kind of funny the way she said it, but I vividly remember it had such an impact on me that I went in my bathroom and I cried about it because in my head, my dad was laughing at the fact that I couldn't read. You know what I mean? And I think that was the moment, I don't know if I use this as an excuse or not, but I think that was the moment where I just said, you know what? I'm not great at reading. I'm not the smartest kid out there. You know what I mean? And and a lot of it comes from 
from my being intimidated a lot by my dad's intelligence. So is that the type of work you do to kind of reverse engineer and look back at and find events or moments in people's life where it's like, yep, that was it? Or is there a different, do you use a different structure to deconstruct that? Yeah, I start with identifying what the pattern is. What is going on in your current life that's getting Mm -hmm. in the way? Maybe it's your, every time you ask for the sale, you feel some resistance or you feel some tension in your body, some stress, or if you get rejected, then you have like all these feelings come up or you get ghosted and you have all these feelings come up. You take it personally. You have stress about what your boss thinks about you. You're, you, you hesitate to go for, maybe you hesitate to go for that, that creative business project dream because you're afraid of failure and you, you notice these types of things and this, these blocks, these, these hesitations, these resistance. And then I say, okay, see if we can work with that and figure out what beliefs you might have in the subconscious mind. Again, not the conscious mind, because you know, we can have a conversation about at the conscious level, like, yeah, you like say someone believes that, you know, failure is not safe. We could talk all day about reframes, about how to see failure. Failure is a learning opportunity. You can do affirmations and you can think about, think about things in a new way. But we're interested in, in this method in going to the sub- subconscious mind and seeing if we can connect to the part of you that has beliefs about fear of failure. And so then I go, okay, what's, what are, what, we, we will explore that more and, and find particular beliefs and see which ones resonate, see which ones are the strongest. And there might be just that deep part of you in your subconscious that's just like, I'm, not, I'm a failure yeah. or fear, um, failure is not safe. And when we connect to that and the truth of that, right? Going back to being conscious, right? Being accepting, okay, this is what's happening. This part of you believes this. And then at that point we invite, and when we start the process to, to clear that belief, that's when we, that's when we um, ask about the memories and we just, we work with the memories that might be associated with the belief um, and we can get into that more. But yeah, the, the biggest thing with, with this tool is that it, it's different because we're, we're in a target, target mode of actually solving the root problem. And sure. so we're getting to the belief rather than just trying to reframe and change thoughts, change emotions, change habits, right? So there's so much personal development out there that's super valuable. I've dived into a lot of it. I know a lot of people in this audience are, are you know, ambitious, high-performing types of people who are reading books and, and, and working on themselves and creating their routines and their workflows and all that stuff has tons of value. And oftentimes I would say, is, and this is the, the case for therapy as well. And again, there's lots of, of, of value in many therapies. And I even integrate um, some of that into my work. But what makes this different is that it it gets to the belief level. So we're not just trying to manage our thoughts and manage our emotions and manage our habits and try to like willpower our way through resistance or, you know, if we can just override all those negative thoughts and create new thoughts, then we'll have success. If we can get down to the belief level, then we can actually pluck things out at the root. So let's take a mundane example. If you had a belief that, that dogs are dangerous, let's say, then at the subconscious level, you see a dog, then 
you might have an automatic response because this program's running. It's just in, it's just, in, it's open. It's, it's on that operating system at all times. Dogs are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Dogs are dangerous. Cause maybe you had some experience where a dog bit you when you're seven, right? So when you see a dog, when you're 27, you might have this like stress response and we can, we can try to manage that and try to, you know, rationalize why dogs aren't dangerous just at the conscious level. What we really want to do is connect to the part of you that believes that. Uh-huh. And then we can go through this method and actually realize that's not true. And that part of you, the subconscious level realizes it's not true. And then we pluck it out and it's just gone forever. Like Santa Claus isn't real. Really? And then the thoughts and emotions, they don't come up. We're not trying to override our thoughts with new reframes and stuff. We actually just, the thoughts and emotions just dissipate. Right. You're not going to, if you don't, if you no longer at the belief level, believe dogs are dangerous, you won't have that automatic stress response every time you see a dog. Now you might, you might, if there's some random dog that happens to be vicious, then you might have stress response. But the point is we're letting go of the automatic program that is Uh an absolute truth in all situations that dogs are dangerous. And so that you can have discernment and you can have freedom. And so, yeah, this is what this, this method is really powerful. That's just been so transformative for myself and, and my friends and people I've worked with and, um, and actually getting to the root rather than just trying to manage. What was one of the ones that, that was the, for you, like if you're talking about this being life-changing for you and friends that you're talking about, what was one of the ones that are, that, that you uncovered for yourself that was that aha, holy shit, I was able to let that go at the root level. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been working this on myself really, really deep past couple of years. So I've, I've worked on myself with, with hundreds of beliefs in different buckets of life. Um, so I like to put things in different categories, self-worth, um, money, it's a big one, um, work ethic and relationships. Um, you can do beliefs about specific people, um, but one that comes to mind is one of the first ones that I experienced was this idea that I'm not enough. Okay. And that, that can resonate, you know, people listening want to like, just check in with themselves and, and try saying that to themselves and see if it feels true. It feels heavy at all in your body. Then that's a sign that it's there. If it, if it, if it sounds completely ridiculous, then it's not there. But for me, it was real heavy. And I remember trying to, to work with that for years of doing affirmations and trying to say, I'm enough, I'm enough. And, and I remember recording a whole podcast with my friend and we were talking about like how, ways to reframe this and like, and then we found this method. And then I just remember when, when I finished this process, the actual, when we finished this, this, this method with this belief, I'm not enough. I remember like this, this feeling in my gut, like all this heaviness and this energy just kind of like released. And it was, I just felt this ever since is this freedom about that. And, and the, the, the belief doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Um, similarly, I had a belief it's not okay to relax. Mm. And I had for years, I had all this back pain sort of in my, in my upper back and my left side of my back. And I remember as soon as we cleared that belief that my shoulders has dropped immediately. And ever since then, it's been like 70% of my back pain has been gone. Nice. Um, so those are some of my subjective experiences. Uh-huh. And I, and you know, when people hear this stuff, it might sound like 
wait, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, which is yeah. totally understandable. I would be the same yeah. way. Uh, I was the same way. And that's why I invite people to to give it a try and, and see it to believe it. We also have a lot of beliefs about change. And one thing I, one thing I do with clients is work with beliefs about change, like change has to be hard or I can't change or change can't, can't be fast. And these types of beliefs that are in the, in the background. So that's kind of a window into the method. Look, you know, we're on the HubSpot podcast network and we love spreading the word about other podcasts that we think you should check out. And you should definitely check out the Side Hustle Pro podcast with Nikayla Matthews Acolm. This podcast showcases diverse entrepreneurs who've scaled from a side hustle to a profitable business. And I absolutely love Nikayla's real and authentic depiction of what it's like to do a side hustle while working full time and all the emotional roller coaster that it takes to build a viable business on the side. She tells all of this from her own personal perspective of doing this herself and brings on guests who share their own journey with practical advice that you can take action on immediately. If you like stories of women of color who started their own business and relatable advice from entrepreneurs who started just like you, then you're definitely going to want to check out this podcast. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's, uh, I, I think I've been blessed with, you know, and I, I we can, I mean, this is all in the umbrella of, of mental health in a lot of ways, but you know, for whatever, however, my parents raised me, I've been, and, and my DNA also, right? Like I don't, I'm not, I don't have an addictive personality. I don't have depression. At least I don't think I do. You know what I mean? So a lot of this stuff for me, I've been selectively trying to find areas of like, why is that? Why do I act that way? Right. But haven't been able to dig to the root cause yet. So maybe this, this methodology, I got to start to kind of maybe brainstorm about four or five or different areas that we could go deep on this one. Uh, but what is that framework? Like let's, let's give the audience a little chime in on the, on the actual method of the process that you go through so that they can get a sense of, is this for them compared to therapy, right? Which a lot of people are in. And, and quite frankly, like for me, I've tried therapy, but my problem is, is I'm always looking for my Robert Williams, you know what I mean? And goodwill hunting. Like I, I want to skip all the people that don't get me and then find the person that actually does get me. So that's why, unfortunately, a lot of my therapy sessions have kind of been like, all right, never mind. Like, and, and so I've disregarded in a lot of ways for me, but for, for areas of known need or improvement, what's walk us through kind of that. What's the process? Yeah, I can do that. I mean, you, did you want to try it out? Because like the, the yeah, best okay. thing about this process yeah. is to experience it because it's uh yeah once you experience it then you can actually get a feel for it and then the listeners perhaps can also get a feel for it by, yeah. by actually demonstrating it um sure. but yeah like the biggest thing to, to be listening for is the is the the step that i'm going to show about realizing that this belief is not something that happened outside of you so that's okay. something to keep in mind. Um, there's a story that we created with our own mind and our own meaning-making mechanism. Um, but yeah, like like it might take the rest of the hour to kind of do it, do it properly. But if we if you want, we could we could dive in. Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned kind of a little bit about your 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 story and what you know your challenges might be around. Mm -hmm. Um you know, maybe not thinking you're smart or stuff like that. Do you, do you want to share more about like what, what kind of blocks you might sense you have? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, uh, I weigh have way heavy on EQ, EQ versus IQ. Um, 
you know, I did all right in school. I worked my ass off in school. I knew I had to just to get to where I was. Um, but I've never, I, I always, I'm, I'm very surface oriented on a lot of stuff in the sense that I, like, I, I kind of believe in sales, for instance, you don't have to be the industry expert in whatever you sell. You have to be the quarterback. So you have to know a little bit about a lot, right? So I don't go deep on anything. And anytime there's a depth conversation and there's other people in the room who know more about that topic than I do, I tend to just kind of shy away from it, right? Not shy away. I just let them talk and I'm like, yeah, okay, they're way smarter than I am on this one. So I'm going to remove myself from this conversation. But that that's always kind of been a, a belief of mine that uh, there are other people that are far more intelligent than I am. And it's frustrating to me that I don't want to learn in depth about certain topics like i'm more of like i get i take two or three data points i've always said like my one of my skills is the fact that i don't overthink Uh, like i usually tend to look at a situation and based on two or three data points i can usually make a decision and that decision is a lot of times the right one but it's not based on me crossing every t and dotting every i and and all that other stuff and so i think a lot of my probably if you were to say my biggest weakness would be accountability um where i don't like Dude. holding myself accountable i don't like holding other people accountable uh if, it, if we go to sales for instance like i'm the best person that you can ask to be in your forecast review because i will help you strategize and do all that other stuff but as soon as you miss your forecast and we have to talk about a pip or fucking micromanaging and shit like that like it, it's, it makes my skin crawl like i i just i don't like it and i also don't like holding myself accountable right it's like cool all right i got it and if i don't hit it it's like all right fuck it i'm gonna do something else so that's probably my biggest flaw is accountability okay so this is sort of trailhead around doubting your intelligence and then is there sort of like a lack of trust in in holding yourself accountable is that a piece i think it's a lack of i don't know about it well i don't know how it would be like like how would it be a lack of trust trust in myself or trust in the process or what Trust that you're going to get the thing done, that you're going to follow through on something. So, you know, here's something really weird. I never finish, fully finish almost anything. And I'll give you an example from super tactical, like French fries. I will eat 90% of the French fry, but that little end, I'll throw it away. A burger. I will eat the entire burger except for the last bite, and I'll throw and I'll leave that. I will consciously and subconsciously leave that last bite. I never take it. Um, when I do a project around the house, I'll go all the way to the end, and then I won't maybe paint the trim at the end because I'm just like, all right, with, with you know, it's almost done. So fuck it, right? So those are some areas where I don't know if that's accountability. I don't know if that's follow through, but it is like ninety percent. I got it. And then right at the end, I'm like, ah, fuck it. I don't need to finish that. Up. You know what I mean? So no idea where that one comes from. But my dad, by the way, my dad was the same way. My mom, actually, I, I remember this. Uh, I went home because I remember there was like, I'm looking around my house. My dad, really good, like really intelligent, but also built things as well. But there was always like the, why didn't you just fucking paint that last piece of wood? Or why didn't you just, and my mom complained after he passed. She was like, he never finished anything. Like he just, he would always do something. And then there would always be that thing that was left over that he would just leave that way. Right. No idea where that comes from. Okay. I'm definitely curious about that. And, and by the way, I'm just, I'm asking to try to get more info yeah, yeah. and then I can figure out what the beliefs might That's be underneath that. Um, you mentioned a little while back about like, you know, as an East Coaster or whatever, maybe not sure you, you can succeed at that next level or, um, 
I'm curious if there's something there and maybe there's a relationship with the not finishing. Um, so I think at this point, I'd, I'd love to just kind of sort of sense test sure. a few beliefs that I suggest. Right. And so at this point, I would just, I'll, I'm, I'll suggest a belief and then your job is just to check in with yourself and your, basically your gut, your, your, mm-hmm. your feelings, your initial reaction. Cool. And just knowing that any belief that you do have perhaps it's not, it's not you, John. It's just this part of you deep down. Um, and just, just, just check in to see if it's there and just give me a yes or a no to see if that's there. All right. Sound good? Yeah. Go for it. All right. So I'm curious if there's any sense that I'm not worthy of success. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think I, I, I look at it as I'm a, what goes around comes around and, uh, and I do believe that I'm a decent person. And so I think I am worthy, whether it's super success, you know, whatever success means for everybody else. But I I don't think, I think I, I think I deserve it. I wouldn't say a resounding, yeah, I absolutely deserve success. Fuck it. Give me my money type of thing. But, um, success is something that I, I earn. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear that, it just, is it, does it sound ridiculous? I wouldn't say it sounds ridiculous. Okay. But it's not necessarily like an absolute strong belief. No. Okay. So that's kind of like the, the dichotomy I'm initially looking for to see is, is it even there at all? There could be yeah. some party that has that, but it might not be too super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is there a sense that what about I don't deserve success? Does that, no. does, that, does that feel different at all? No. Okay. I deserve it. I know. I, I mean, I, again, what goes, I, I believe in a, uh, karma. Yeah. And, and I believe I'm a good person and I do things for the right reasons. I'm not always right. Um, okay. And I fuck over some people sometimes when I don't know it. And sometimes I'm a douche, but in general, I think I, I do deserve it. Okay. Let's test out a little bit on that that sort of intelligence idea. Mm-hmm. Just checking in with yourself. Is there is there any part of you that has a sense that I'm not smart? Yeah, there's no question about that. Yep. So you felt that like that was a right away reaction. Yeah, yeah. Like I just I know that I get intimidated when I'm around, I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I worked for Jack Welsh, uh, GE Jack Welsh and his wife, Susie Welsh. Jack is one of the coolest shits you've ever come across. Like I sat in front of him, he's a Boston kid, drops the F-bomb every other fucking word. And I, I actually think he's just a very driven person. It might not be the brightest. I think he's very similar. He was very similar to me. I sat in the room with Susie Welsh and within two minutes, uh, her intellect effectively punched me right in the face. And I was like, holy shit. She is at a whole different level than I am from an from an intellect standpoint, and I was a hundred percent intimidated. I was just like, gotcha. I was more. It's odd. I was more intimidated by Susie Welsh than Jack Welsh. And if you know, you know, big picture shit. Jack Welsh was the CEO of the Century, according to Forbes magazine, right? So this is the guy, and I was way more intimidated by Susie than I was him, and it was because of her intellect. Hmm. So. I'd say let's do this one. And okay. our goal here is to let go of the automatic absolute program that I'm not smart is the truth about you. Uh-huh. 
and so that you can be free. And then if you interact with somebody like that, you won't have that automatic feeling, at least to that degree. There could be other beliefs that are also contributing to the feelings you had. Sure. Um, But we're looking to pluck this particular dandelion out of the ground. And it could be the case that there are some people that are smarter than you, but that's not our, that's not, we're not trying to say that you are smart or this um, compared to X person. We're just trying to let go here mm-hmm. of the absolute program that I'm not smart is true so that you can be, have more freedom here. So you want to try this? Yeah, sure. All right. So first just really check in with that feeling that you just had, that gut feeling and really mm-hmm. sort of take a note of that. And then we'll check in at the end and compare it. Okay. So now, just dropping into this feeling, the sense of I'm not smart, and just trusting, trusting your subconscious, trusting your memories. When did you first learn I'm not smart is true? Uh, probably when, I, I mean, if, fast forward, probably college, I think, was where it would hit me right in the mouth that I wasn't nearly as smart because I started failing out my first semester because uh, I took like engineering for engineering majors. I took you know biology for bio majors because I figured, oh, I, I know engineering. I know, en- you know, I know bio. Fuck it. Let's skip a step and go up there. And then when I hit like calculus, holy shit, I was like, uh, and I had to spend the entire, <laughs> my first, uh, uh, spring break while all my friends were in Cancun and stuff I was home with my dad teaching me calculus and it was like the first real like whoa I this is that my brain doesn't work this way um, whereas high school I kind of got by you know what I mean like a little bit of work here so and that there, college whatever. experience was pretty impactful oh like, it was overwhelmed I mean I the first the, when I was at bio, when I took the first bio test I, I, honestly, I might as well read in Chinese. Like when, when I opened up the thing, I, I walked right up to the front of the room and I just gave the guy my book. <laughs> I was like, I, apparently I'm not for a bio major. See you later. I just walked out. Okay. Uh, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So it's understandable that with that sort of, I don't want to say necessarily severe, but there was an impactful experience uh, in relationship to learning something. And it makes sense that you might have created this belief, I'm not smart, in that time. Now, I'm just going to ask a few questions to try to sort of loosen this belief up and ask him okay. some new interpretations of the event. So, is it possible that it's not that I'm, I'm not smart is the truth about you in all situations forever, fundamentally, yeah. but rather what explains your experience is that you weren't smart in this one course you didn't have the smart the smarts and the intelligence in this one particular domain this one field this one uh this one skill and that is it possible that you just it was an acute experience and you weren't smart compared to the other students in the class you weren't smart compared to what was needed for that particular course but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm not smart is the fundamental truth about you. Is that possible? Yeah, that's absolutely possible. I mean, I was, uh, there was great. There was about three or four examples that year, uh, that, that did punch me in the face with that, but they were, uh, they were events. Okay. And similarly, is it possible that sometimes, and 
some domains, I'm not smart is true. You're not smart when it comes to maybe flying airplanes, I'm guessing. Maybe you do. Yep. No. Okay. No, absolutely not. Maybe uh, you're not smart when it comes to um, certain advanced theories of physics. Um, but maybe it's not true when it comes down to, I don't know, how to how to navigate the the T system in Boston. Maybe yep, pretty good, pretty good at that down. by now. Yep, got that one down. Um, so maybe it's just dependent in general Probably. on what it is we're talking about. And there's like, there's different types of smart, right? And there's, there's of course, smart in success in sales. You can say that you have mastery in that domain and, and other domains. But the, the question is, is it maybe not the absolute truth about you? I'm not smart. It's contextual. Is that possible? Yes, it's, that's definitely possible. Yeah. And again, for everyone listening, what, what I'm seeking to do here is communicate to the part of John that has the belief and see if this part of you can can start to, to loosen up here. Um, is it possible that the, it's not that I'm not smart is the truth, but what explains your sort of overwhelming experience was that maybe the professor or the, the, the culture of the school or the, the class like wasn't ideal for for sort of supporting people who are, who are struggling i can't say but like maybe just wasn't wasn't what you really needed which is maybe just be to be yeah. fully accepted and supported and seen for the challenge of it and and maybe had no none of this external pressure to perform maybe it was the external pressure that really created a lot of that um and maybe the only reason that that pressure was there was because of the teacher or the professor or the the whole culture was of this of this academic environment was trying to really well they had their own beliefs from what it means to do well and be educated that they had inherited and they had as they had these assumptions at play and they had all these beliefs and from when they were growing up and stuff like that and maybe that created this environment that wasn't ideal for you and that's why it was overwhelming not that i'm not smart is the truth is that a possible interpretation yeah, I mean, I think the the teachers didn't obviously care all that that they, you know they weren't exactly yeah. hands on uh, with their attention to uh, to my needs specifically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't exactly make them overly uh, obvious, but yeah, it, it was it was definitely the the situation itself. Okay, so would you agree that I'm not smart was one of several or more interpretations of your experience? Yes. Great. So now. When you think back to this experience and you look at the memory and just look around with your sense of sight, what you saw, you saw the, the, the chairs, the desks, you saw other students, you saw professor, maybe chalkboard, you saw things, you saw objects, you saw people. Now, did you ever literally see with your eyes, I'm not smart? And not, I mean, depending on how you depict it, but no. You didn't see it, that sentence written on the wall? No, definitely not. I didn't see the sentence. I saw the okay. F on the paper that I took. Okay. <laughs> you know, that kind of okay. <laughs> Perfect. So let's get clear. You saw yeah. the letter F or you saw this, the score you got or whatever. Yeah. The 40, on, the 40 that I got so on the first copy instance. Yeah. On a piece of paper. You saw, and really specifically, you got, you saw lines and circles or whatever on a piece of paper. Now, I'm not smart. This is an idea. 
It's a concept. You didn't actually see it, did you? You saw things, objects, people, lines on a page. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So if you didn't see I'm not smart, then where exactly did I'm not smart first happen? Where exactly did this thought, this belief first happen? Not sure. It's been, a, I think, a evolution of... Um, a narrative that I've told myself for a while. Did it? I don't know exactly when and we, it started. And we're, we're sensing it's coming from this memory and sensing that didn't you didn't see it. So to be to kind of clarify the question, did I'm not smart occur outside of your head or inside your head when it first oh, was born? Inside. Yeah. I'm not smart was a story an interpretation, a thought that you had and you added it on to the sense data, the, the, the sites that you saw. Is that fair? Yes. So I'm not smart originated in your mind. Is that fair? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you created it with your own neurons and trying to explain your experience and maybe you were feeling deflated, maybe you're feeling bummed, overwhelmed, different feelings. And maybe it was too hard to try to process all that. And this might have been a way to try to explain it away. Or it could have just been a way to try to just understand why it was hard. Why it was hard that class. And we have we have a need for clarity, for understanding, for stability. And so we have these types of challenging moments. It helps to create a belief in the short term as a sort of mechanism. So that we're not completely like in the dark, like, why is this even happening? Mm. So maybe it served you at the time, but perhaps are you more open to the idea that it's not serving you now? It's definitely not serving yeah. me now. I think it's, <laughs> it's part of the limiting belief system, right? That, yeah. uh, that I've just kind of laughed it off, right? It's kind of like, oh, I got a bad memory and therefore it just gives me the excuse to have a bad memory as opposed yeah, to working yeah, on yeah. it and trying to get a better memory. So if you randomly saw a college kid and he was struggling with the class, you randomly saw a random kid you didn't know and he's, he failed the class, would you know I'm not smart is the truth about him in all situations? No. Okay. So now last portion of this process, if you could tell me uh, uh, the name of a, of a trusted friend you have right now, John, mm-hmm. that you feel yeah. you, you can confide in. Um, but who wasn't who wasn't in your life at that time? Uh, Mike. Mike. Okay. So imagine that when you were in college and had this experience, you had your regular life, but then you had also Uncle Mike in your life. And you did your regular life, but then once or twice a week, you went over to Uncle Mike's place and you just hung out and you just talked and you just felt relaxed, felt free. You could say what you what's on your mind, what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And he's just like, you just hang out in the living room and he's just, he's there and present for you and he just listens and you just, you process a lot with him and you, you just feel so relaxed and you can be yourself. There's no expectations on you. And you always look forward to going to Uncle Mike's because you know you can kind of get some stuff off your chest and all that. So imagine that after this experience with this class, you went to my Uncle Mike's that, that same night or the next day. 
and you just like plop down on the couch and you say what what happened and you just tell him tell him what's going on and he's like what's up and you're like you just tell him the whole story from start to finish and you, you share all the details and he's just there he's present and he just listens and you get you get this chance to be heard to be seen tell him what you're thinking tell him what you're feeling that it was that it was a little overwhelming and and kind of perplexed about it perhaps and just share all this and he's like yeah I hear you I hear you John it makes sense now it makes sense to feel those feelings and to be kind of perplexed or frustrated or anything now I just want you to know that these feelings are feelings they're just in your body you can just let those feelings move through you and observe them just like clouds in the sky. Just let those feelings be with, with you right now. Uh-huh. It's okay to have feelings. Now, I don't want you to create an, a story on top of this experience. Just because you're having this experience doesn't need to mean anything. You have the power to choose what the meaning is. So I want you to be careful not to think that I'm not smart is the explanation about you fundamentally just because of this one thing happened. Maybe you're just not not a good fit for this particular course or this topic. And that's that's okay because there's no human who's a good fit for every topic because we all have certain interests and we all have certain dispositions towards certain skill sets and all these, all these things. So maybe it's just the environment. Like a, like a tomato, the best tomato farmer in the world, he's not going to grow a tomato in Canada in January. So maybe it's the environment. So I don't want you to think that just because you're having a struggle here means that I'm not smart is the absolute truth about you in all situations. Because there's a lot of types of smart. There's certain academics, there's different types of academic courses, then there's all sorts of non-academic things. Smart, smart with relationships, smart with money, smart with sales and street smarts and musical smart like who knows there's all sorts of different types maybe you're just not smart at this particular thing or maybe you're just not smart compared to some people at this particular thing i'm not saying that you're the smartest person in the world and everything (laughs) but just this idea just be careful not don't make any assumptions that i'm not smart is fundamentally the truth in all situations you can just let this these feelings pass through you without adding the adding the meaning So imagine that he he had been there and he said that and he, he did, that just sank in. In this in, in this in his house, when you feel comfortable and you feel relaxed and you had this empathy and if Uncle Mike had been there and explained all this to you, would you have concluded it's the absolute truth about you? I'm not smart. No. Nah. What would you have thought instead? That I shouldn't be a scientist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, then maybe you're in yeah, maybe maybe just the environment. Yeah. Oh, I don't like doing this thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we did some deep work. Yeah. So let, let, let's let's test this out again. I'll have you clear the palette, and we're going to say a, a couple silly sentences. Um, say, all rainbows are gray. All rainbows are great. 
Uh, all uh, birds never fly. Birds never fly. Is there any truth in that? No. Two plus two equals three. Two plus two equals three. Ridiculous, right? <laughs> Depends on if we're living in the matrix or not, but uh, no, yes, it is ridiculous. Okay. I'm not smart. I'm not smart. How's that feel compared to the beginning? Definitely more situational based. Yeah. Definitely more in like uh, scenario based, I guess. That's exactly our goal. <laughs> and you feel, do you feel the weight in your body that you felt when we first said it? Not as much. Nope. Is there a little something still there? I'd have to go pick through each one of the scenarios. You know what I mean? I think to, yeah. to so yeah. But I would say there could be, there could be other beliefs that are similar that are kind of adjacent to this belief. Um, Probably, it seems yeah. like you, you, you feel a sense of discernment over this, like it depends on the situation, which is like, that's what we our goal. Like when I cleared the belief, I cleared the belief, I can't be rich. As soon as I clear that belief, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to be rich tomorrow. Right. It was just like, oh, it depends on what I'm going to do about it. Right. You know, but the, the, the sense of like, it's definitely the truth was gone. Ooh. You sense yeah. that? Like, it's definitely the truth is gone? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, a lot of uh, generalizations that we all do. Uh, and again, we tell ourselves the narrative, but when you step back and you kind of take it piece by piece you can start to break it down and and again compartmentalize it so i think there's uh there's definitely areas where i still look at it and say holy shit you know i should be smarter in those areas than i'm and, I, and i'm not versus i'm not smart mm -hmm. cool cool thanks for being the guinea pig uh, i like it man i like it and, and i think that's the you know the key of of trying to unpack right yourself i mean there's there's therapy there's there's a lot of different things but i think it goes back to what we started here in the beginning which is you know it starts with curiosity right it starts with curiosity and and, and being open to being curious about yourself uh, and digging a little bit deeper and starting to try to find and unwind some of that stuff that we've been conditioned to believe yeah. whether it's about society or about ourselves so appreciate that my pleasure my pleasure well, look. Let's uh, let's wrap it up because uh, this is, this one went a little bit longer. I'll, you know, I think everybody will understand why. But uh, let's wrap it up here and talk um, about for you know how people can get in touch with you and, and what are some of the things that you're working on these days that people uh, can gain access to or get information about. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, this this method is is a wing of the Career Hackers platform that we're calling Human Liberation by Career Hackers. And I'm beginning to connect with, with clients and sales, sales professionals in particular is, is a type of person that I've been working with, um, and recognizing that, 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 that often high pressure environment can, can stimulate, um, some of these subconscious beliefs, whether it's about self-worth or whether it's about money or sales or um, work ethic, any of these types of things. If, if you're having, if you're having patterns, I would love to support you if, if you'd like, um, with this, with this service that we're rolling out. So it's still in the earlier stages. And as, as we do that, I'm, I'm sharing just gifts with, um, with people with this work. And so we're, 
we've created a, a site, careerhackers.com slash happen, where anyone listening is is free to to book a, a complimentary session with me just as a gift. Right. Um, and we can we can hop on for about an hour and we can figure out what those patterns and beliefs might be. And I can sh- show you this method so you can experience it and and clear one belief. And then if that and if that feels a you know of of value to do, of value to you, we can talk about yeah. continuing the work further. Um, but I'm really passionate about supporting people in in letting go of this stuff. It's it's just getting in the way. And I think there's a lot of this is a very new method and there's a few other people doing it and I'm really excited about sharing this more with with the world and the work for in the workforce. So again it's queerhackers.com slash happen. Love it. Yeah, I love that. I actually went to the site. So it's uh, it's just for podcast listeners, the Make It Happen Monday podcast here. So make sure you take advantage of that. And Joel, where can they find you? Other connected, like uh, what, LinkedIn or any other areas you want to point people? Yeah, I'm most active on LinkedIn and cool. uh, or joelbind.com is my website. You can see see a lot of blog posts that I've done to learn more about how I think. And um, otherwise, check out the blog posts and our newsletter at Career Hackers. And we're, we're building up that brand and want to serve people at all all stages of their career as we build this thing up so really appreciate you having me on it's been it's been um really a pleasure and and great to connect yeah thanks for coming on hopefully uh everybody from the audience takes advantage of that offer and starts to unwind some of their uh limiting beliefs if you will so i appreciate the offer and i appreciate the conversation man awesome thanks so much yeah, and everybody, hopefully you enjoyed this. Got you to think a little bit. Like you, like I always tell you, kind of use these as open therapy sessions so you just experienced it. And look, like I say at the end of every one of these podcasts, go out there and make somebody smile today. Because no matter how bad your day's going or you think it went, if you make somebody smile today, you know you had a good day. The world needs a lot more of that right now. So thank you all very much, and I will see you on the other side. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. With your support and our incredible guests, we're one of the top sales podcasts out there right now, and I can't thank you enough. Now, to keep the momentum going, it would mean the world to me if you could go and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and share some of your favorite episodes with your network. Also, check out my new website at www.johnmmichaelbarrows.com, where you'll find even more ways to engage. There's a ton of free content, and you can also get trained from me directly as an individual or for your team. Look, I'm out there selling every day just like you are, and I'm doing my best to stay on top of all the latest trends in technology. So if you're looking to level up and you give a shit about this profession of sales, let's connect and let's make this happen together.